Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 77 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host Joey Coastman. I'm joined as always by Mr. Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how are you doing? I'm good Joey, how are you? Very good my friend, very good. Now let's jump straight into part one as we do. We're going to waste no time. We're going to get straight down to business. This one of course happening last Thursday. That was Thursday the 30th of March 2017 obviously. Over in the Montreal Casino in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Jojo Dan picked up a knockout win in round five of his scheduled eight round contest at 154. Super well to wait that one. Uh, So Jojo Dan picks up his 36th career win inside 40 fights his opponent Jesus Girola had a record of 23 and 10 now 23 and 11 he's also got three draws so a decent win there for Jojo Dan moving over now to a card that happened over in uh, over in Haiti over in Haiti um Wilkie Kampfert, friend of the show, he moved to 23 wins. Of course, he's got the three losses. He picked up a unanimous decision win over 11 rounds. It's a strange way that they do their things over in over in Haiti. And, um, yeah, his opponent, Paul Valenzuela Jr., 20-4, he lost, so he's now 20-5. So, Wilkie Kampfert, I'm very, very happy for him. He's also picked up the vacant WBA Feder Latin Super welterweight title as well so a good win there for him moving over now to the usa one fight to mention over in pennsylvania i believe um at the carnegie music hall of homestead if i'm not mistaken uh lewis arias of course he was with mayweather promotions at one point mayweather um unfairly to lewis arias's views dismissed him of the promotional team he's now uh, signed with someone else, I believe. He defended successfully his USBA middleweight title. He moves now to 17-0 and with a points win over 10 rounds. Unanimous decision there. Uh, that's it for that one. Moving over now to Germany. This one was really the biggest card of last weekend. Marco Huck, 40 wins and 3 losses with 1 draw. Took on Maris Breedis, 21-0. and uh, Obviously, Breedis going into this fight with... The reputation of being a bit of a banger, Marco Huck going into every fight, really, with the reputation of being a warrior. However, he looked a little bit long in the tooth for me. He looked a little bit one-dimensional, which is the first time um, I, I think I can really say that about Marco Huck. He usually comes and gives it his all. He seemed to be very, very lacklustre to be completely honest. Um, Maris Breedis was obviously the younger, fresher guy, and... Well, I don't think he's too much younger. I think they're pretty much the same age. I think there may be a year or two between them. But the fresher guy in terms of being a pro, in terms of uh, you know being at that that title that that title level there. So Marco Marco Huck did look a little bit long in the tooth. Did look a little bit one dimensional. And I think he started a little bit late, but he just didn't seem to get into it. Some people not even scoring him one round. Some of the people that I've uh, read 
you know some of the reviews about that fight online. So the ultimate outcome was a unanimous decision win over 12 rounds for Maris Bredis. Of course, doing this, he picked up the vacant WBC World Cruiserweight title, which was taken away from Tony Bellew in the last few minutes of last week. And also, the IBO World Cruiserweight title was on the line. We know that the IBO is not really a proper, proper world title. Don't say that around Chris Eubank Jr., of course. But uh, the the sanctioning fees were not paid by Breedis. So he would have become the IBO world champion by winning this fight, along with the WBC, as I just mentioned. But no, he's only the WBC champion. So he paid the fees for that, but he didn't pay the fees for the IBO. So uh, an interesting one there. Very disrespectful, actually. Breedis doing that. That's that's a bit disrespectful to be completely honest. So the IBO title now becomes vacant and um, yeah, I mean it's, a, it's it's just a vacant belt but the IBO is getting thrown about here, there and everywhere uh, in, in recent times. Also on that undercard, Christina Hammer the WBO and WBC world female middleweight champion, she defended her belt successfully over 10 rounds 10 two-minute rounds against Maria Lindbergh who had a record of 15-1, and one, now 15-2 and two with two draws. Christina Hammer still the perfect Perfect record, 21-0. and 0, A decent performance there from her. She's not really a banger, but she did some decent boxing. Uh, that's it for Germany. Moving over now to Nicaragua. One fight over here to mention. Ricardo Mayorga, former world champion. Why on earth is he still fighting? Nobody knows. Well, his opponent found out the hard way. He picked up a TKO in round three, Mayorga, over... Hudil Zapida, who had a record of 12 and 17 with one draw, now 12 and 18 with one draw. Zapida refused to continue fighting during round three, so it went down as a TKO there for Ricardo Mayorga. He's now 32 wins, nine losses, and one draw. Bizarre stuff there from the Charmin Bar in Managua, Nicaragua. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. Moving over now to the final bill to mention of the reviewing. There was not too much action last week. The final bill, the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas in, of course, Las Vegas, USA. Top of the bill, Antonio Orozco. He proceeded to 26-0 now. Perfect record with a TKO in round four over his opponent, Keandre Gibson, who was unbeaten 16-0 going into that fight. Now 16-1 with one draw. Uh, Gibson was down once in that round four. And Orozco also picks up the vacant NABC super lightweight title. So a good win there for him. We're moving very fast through this week's show. We're trying to go through things a little bit quicker than usual. So the first thing to do, of course, and the last thing to do, I should say, before we end part one, is to welcome guest number one. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the trainer of the best heavyweight talents in the world. It's Mr. Peter Fury. Peter, welcome to the show. How are you doing? You okay? Yes, my man. Been a long time. It's been a long time. Obviously, a lot's happened since we last spoke. I want to. I want to start with this, Peter, if you don't mind. First things first. Uh, the other week, a couple weeks, a couple weeks back. Now, your man uh, Con Sheehan got a win. Obviously, banked some some valuable rounds in whilst doing so. Um, yeah, how's he? How's he getting along? And are you happy with his recent progression? He's steady. He's coming along steady. You know, he's uh, he's got a, he's got quite a bit to do. He's got to sit on his shots more. He's got to know when to step in behind the shots and get somebody out of there. You know, his his, his performance was very, to me, it was uh, very one paced. But um, saying that, the opponent, he was uh, very very negative. So when you get people like this, it's very, very difficult to get out of there. 
but saying that, you know, it just shows the stuff that he's got to work on. But uh, he is improving in every fight he has. So he, he's slowly, uh, he's slowly getting better, Conchian. So he's, uh, I'm happy so far, so far, so good. Yeah, good to hear. Good to hear. And now the big one, of course, your son Huey. He's taking on Joseph Parker on May the sixth. So uh, just a yeah. month, a month this week. Uh, for obviously for Parker's WBO heavyweight world title, the fight set to take place in New Zealand. It's all been a little bit confusing to keep track of, but I know that you applied for a visa, then was denied access to New Zealand. Then I heard you've been given access. What's what's actually going on, Peter? Well, you know, it's uh, down to immigration. You know, I've had no input into it. It's, uh, we applied, we went through the right channels, and uh, fortunately, you know. Um, immigration uh, turns it down and this is normal to be fair because once immigration turns it down you have to get a special waiver which then goes to the ministers to decide and uh, they decided it was in the best interest for boxing over there so you know I'm very very extremely grateful for the New Zealand government and uh, immigration to uh, grant me access so at least um, we're all systems go so thankfully I'm very very grateful for that. I do want to ask you this. It's a bit of a pointless question, to be honest. With with you being given access, but what would have happened in that scenario? Would you know who would have gone out there with Huey? Well, it's not a it's not a scenario we discussed. Um, we went. We was waiting on the visa, and then once we had the decision, then we was going to make that decision because we knew we had at least five stroke six weeks left. So we just said, look, let's not even think about that now. Let's wait and see what happens with the visa. So. Yeah. The answer is we haven't even considered it. Yeah, okay. And I want to ask you, Peter, what what do you make of, of Joseph Parker as a fighter? We've actually had him on the show a couple of times. You know, he seems like a nice guy outside the ring. He's a decent fighter inside the ring. What's your take on him? I think he's a very good young fighter, and uh, he comes across. He does everything right. He's a very polite guy. Um, there's nothing I can say bad about him. I think he's a, he, I think he's he's got a lot of talent, um, and he's a he's a promising young heavyweight. And by the time the fight rolls round, Huey would have been out the ring for about a year and a week. Obviously, in that time, Parker has fought four times against four decent opponents, to be honest. Is that a disadvantage for Huey, Peter? I don't see it as anything, no, because Huey's constantly in the gym. Um, we've been working on a lot of stuff. He's a different fighter than what he's been in the past. So uh, we're just looking forward to uh, getting the fight on uh, and letting the public see exactly what it's really about and what it's like under pressure and as you say there Huey's been in the gym he's had a bit of time out of you know out of the the the, uh, the fight nights I may be a little bit mistaken as well but in that time with Tyson not being around the gym as often as as he was before is that good for Huey would he have had more of your attention in that time that he may need for for the biggest fight of his life coming up Yes, it, it, yes, of course it is, because it, it was Tyson's time, and uh, Tyson had 100% of my concentration. Now it's Huey's time, and he's got 100% of my concentration. So, you know, everybody's got to take their turn. So now it's Huey's turn, and um, we're looking at everything, working on things, uh, and everything's going to plan at the moment. And speaking of the big man, how is Tyson at the moment? He looked to be in good spirits the other week. He was out in Denmark with Isaac Lowe. I know that that result didn't go the way we, we wanted it to, but uh, he, he seemed to be in good spirits. He was actually calming everybody down at one point. Well, it was good to have him in the gym. He, um, 
obviously, he's a character. It's nice to see him in the gym. He seems to be back to his old self, and it was nice to see him. Um, apart from that, that's all I can tell you, really. And I believe that there's some sort of hearing in May with Tyson to uh, to discuss what what's next for him. Is that is that right? Have I got that right? That's the, yes, and that's down to the lawyers, so they're doing that. So we've got to keep uh, pretty confidentiality on that one. So that's the lawyers are dealing with that. So we'll uh, go through its due process. And and finally, Peter, I wanted to get your your opinion on uh, on one last fight before I let you go. I'm sure that you know which fight I'm going to be talking about uh, this month, later this month, Wembley Stadium, Joshua versus Klitschko. How do you see that fight unfolding? Uh, either Joshua's going to knock him out, or Klitschko will knock Joshua out. It, it, it's an exciting fight. Um, I think whoever lands whoever lands first, that will be the end of it. But I do um, I think Klitschko is a better boxer. He's got a lot more experience. I think, you know, if Klitschko, if Klitschko is hungry and he really wants it back, then I have to edge towards Klitschko. I think Joshua is young, he's strong, and it all depends what's going to happen on the night. It's, uh, it's who wants it the most. So he could come out Joshua, and uh, he could catch Klitschko early, and it could be all over. But I think if he starts going past the fourth round, I think Joshua's in deep water. Who'd you see winning that one, though, like, if you had to pick a fighter? Um, it's very difficult because it depends what type of Klitschko's going to turn up. But if, if, it's, uh, if it's a Klitschko of old, I'd have to pick Klitschko, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I th- yeah I think a lot that doesn't mean to say, I don't know, he's 40, 41, he's been beat. What's that done to him? Although I don't see that being much. So, like I said, it just depends. Is this Klitschko coming for pride? Or is he coming for? Or is he coming for a payday? Yeah. That yeah, that we don't know. Yeah, it's it's still a uh, very intriguing fight, of course, but. Uh... Yeah, it's, it makes you laugh some of the comments you see online because uh, because you know the job that Tyson did on him, he's he's all of a sudden old overnight, and it's going to be a walkover job for Joshua. That's quite amusing to me when I see stuff like that online. To be honest, well, maybe you know, may, maybe he's all right. You know, <laughs> Father Time may have caught him up, but he may just be coming for the payday. If that's the case, then we have to agree. But if he's not, um, Joshua's can't need to be worried. That's my opinion. Yeah, I think I have to agree with you completely there, Peter. And just before I let you go, I thought I had a lot more questions than I actually did. We've kind of whizzed through it. I've run out of things to say. Is there anything you want to say before we let you go? I just want to get, um, we just want to get rid of politics, uh, do what we do best, the boxing, and uh, look forward to um, getting back on the train and uh, lifting these world titles. Cause that's uh, that's why we're in boxing. We're in boxing to win to win a Commonwealth belt or whatever. We're into world-level boxing, so hopefully Yuri Fury can bring that strap back. Absolutely. God willing. Okay, listen, Peter, it's always a pleasure talking with you, my friend. It's always a pleasure talking with you. Thanks for giving us a piece of your time. Send my best to Huey. We'll catch up soon. I will do. I'm sorry for the delay. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the preview part. Just before we get into the preview part, we're going to go over to Ayaz with this week's news. Andre Ward will defend his WBA, Super, IBF and WBO against Sergei Kovalev in a rematch on June the 17th. Yes, of course, this fight was a fight that everybody 
wanted to see a rematch of straight away. It didn't really look like it was going to happen. I met up with Andre Ward earlier this year in London when he came over here. And hearing him talk, it just didn't seem like he was going to give the rematch. It seemed like he was either going to retire or it seemed like he was going to move on to something else, which would have been a shame. Um, you know, he doesn't really get a lot of credit, Andre Ward, despite being such a fantastic, phenomenal, phenomenal talent. One of the best pound for pound, if not number one. Um, so I'm happy that he's honoured the rematch here. And, you know, it's it's great to see because I, for one, actually thought that he just lost that, that fight. I think, I can't remember, I as if you scored it to Ward now, but it was a very, very close fight. Uh, it divided a hell of a lot of people, and it's good to see the, the rematch finally going to be taking place here. So, uh, yeah, it's great news for the whole sport of boxing, to be completely honest. Jeff Lacey will return to the ring on March the 12th in Tampa, Florida. Yes, Jeff Lacey, a man who, you know, he was supposed to be the next big thing at one point. Then he, he bumped into Joe Calzaghe and he never quite did or never quite fulfilled expectation after that. Um, I'm not quite sure why he's boxing again. You know, he, uh, of course, he was the IBF world champion from uh, 2004 to 2006. Since then, he hasn't really done anything spectacular. He's also been out of the ring since January of 2015, where he got knocked out by Sullivan Barrera. So as I say, since 2006, he hasn't really had any great wins on his record, to be completely honest. He lost to Joe Kazagi in 2006. Uh, other two fights that I should mention, really, that he was involved in, he lost both of them. He was uh, he took on Jermaine Taylor in 2008, and he took on Roy Jones Jr. in 2009, losing both of those fights, as I said. So I'm not sure what he has to offer, but you know, it's it's two years and three months or so later. And, um, yeah, I don't think he's got much to offer. But, again, it does make headlines because he was a good fighter uh, quite a few years back now, to be completely honest. But, uh, yeah, that's it for my thoughts on that one, Ayaz. The WBC have ordered an re immediate rematch between super flyweight champion uh, Rungvesi and ex-world champion Roman Gonzalez. Yes, it's uh, quite a challenging name there to pronounce the champion now, the Thai the Thai national. Um, obviously, we see him go in there and 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 really just keep coming forward the whole night. It was an impressive performance against Roman Gonzalez. I didn't score that one, but a lot of people divided on that. A lot of people actually going as far to say it was a bit of a robbery. I don't agree with that, but I was a little bit sad for Roman Gonzalez the way uh, the way it all ended. You know, he was obviously down early in that fight. He was cut with accidental head clashes. He showed fantastic warrior status as you picked up on I remember I as actually the week after talking about how much of a warrior performance Roman Gonzalez put into that fight so I'm happy that there's going to be a rematch really but I think the winner is going to be Roman Gonzalez I think it's inevitable I just don't think he had a great start to that fight and I think it really uh sabotaged the rest of the, the of the fight for him really I don't think he was able to to uh to, to claw it back as such after after being trailing after just a couple of rounds he was he, he had quite a hill to climb after that uh that's it for my thoughts on that one Ayers. is there any more news for us uh no that's it 
Okay, thank you so much, Ayaz. Moving over now to the preview part. So there's a few places to visit on the preview part this week, starting with a card happening over in Sao Paulo in Brazil. To be honest, he's got a bit of a reputation as a journeyman, despite having 39 wins and just 14 losses on his record. Whenever he steps up in competition, he seems to lose. But we're going to give him a mention anyway, an honourable mention to Rafael Zambano Love. Obviously, we see him get stopped by Anthony Joshua uh, quite a while back now. He's in his 55th professional fight, and he's also fighting for the Brazilian heavyweight title against a man out there with a record of 5-0 and by the name of Leandro Rufino. That's a 10-rounder at heavyweight there, so all the best to Mr. Love. Uh, that's it for Brazil. Going over now to a fight happening in Puerto Rico at the Coliseo Antonio R. Barcelo in Toa Baja. Hopefully I've got that right. Um, it's a man that we had on the show a couple of weeks back, Demarcus Corley, former world champion. His record of 48 wins, 27 losses and one draw. He's taking on Havani Santiago, who has a record of 9-0 and with one draw. It's for the vacant UBF International Super Lightweight title. It's a 10-rounder at 140 as well. We wish Demarcus Corley all the very best in that fight. It was great to have him on the show. And as I say, I really hope he gets the W on the weekend. Moving over now to Las Vegas, Nevada, USA. One fight to mention over there. Carlos Zambrano, 26-0. He's fighting for the vacant IBO World Featherweight title and also defending his interim WBA World Featherweight title. He's been out of the ring for quite a while, Carlos Zambrano. He's taking on Claudio Marrero, who has a record of 21-1. and So it should be a decent little fight there. But um, Zambrano's a guy that I really want to see moved on a little bit quicker, to be completely honest. That's it for Las Vegas. Moving over now to the UK. Manchester Arena, formerly the MEN. Formerly a, a bunch of other names, to be completely honest. We're going to start with the undercard. Nicola Adams making her debut on this show. Obviously, she's a double Olympic gold medalist. She's a real credit to women's boxing. It's her debut here against Virginia Naomi Carcamo, who has a record of 4-2 and two with one draw. It's a four-rounder at flyweight. That's four two-minute rounds, of course. Also on that bill, Daniel Dubois making his heavyweight debut Four rounds this one scheduled for. He takes on Marcus Kelly, who has a record of 1-0. and oh. Former world champion Paul Butler's on the bill. His record 23-1. and one. His opponent yet to be announced. It's a six-rounder at bantamweight, that one. Zelfa Flash Barrett's on the bill as well. He's in a six-rounder at super featherweight. His record at the moment 15-0. and oh. He takes on Norbert Kaluksa, who has a record of 14-0. and Nine. Uh, also on the bill, Jimmy Kelly, 20 and 1. He's taking on Rick Godin, 23 and 1, with one draw. That's a 10 rounder at Super Welterweight. Jack Catterall puts his WBO Intercontinental Super Lightweight title on the line against Martin Geffen. Geffen with the record of 28 and 8, with one draw. Jack Catterall, a perfect 17 and 0. Former world champion Zelani Tete. He's been completely gone. He's been a ghost for a little while. He's back here in a 12-rounder at bantamweight against Arthur Villanueva, who has an impressive record of 30 and 1. Zelani Tete, 24 and 3, a real talent in the bantamweight division. 
Also on the bill, Terry Flanagan defending his WBO World Lightweight title. He actually has the longest winning streak of any British boxer right now. 32-0, putting his belt and his record on the line against Peter Petrov, who has a record of 38-4 with two draws. An interesting fight, that, though. I believe that um, Terry Flanagan, he's impressive. You know, When he shows up, he fights impressive. A couple of his defences... Uh, they've been a little bit under par. When he won the world title, it was a little bit questionable. And I remember when he took on Magdaleno, he absolutely blew him out. It was really, really impressive. And now he's in there against Petrov. I hope we see a good Terry Flanagan, because a good Terry Flanagan's, you know, he's easy to watch. He's fan-friendly. But some of his defenses, he hasn't really looked 100%. I'm not quite sure why. But So I really hope he's getting up for this fight. I truly do. And the main event, I believe, is going to be the Battle of the Liams. We had one of them on last week's show. Liam Williams, 16-0 with one draw. Taking on former WBO light middleweight world champion Liam Smith, 24-1 with one draw. This one's for the interim WBO world super welterweight title. I've actually noticed that the interim WBO world title has just come out of nowhere. So, um... I'm I'm interested in that really. I don't I don't really like the fact that there's all these, you know, world title belts, interim, super, regular. It it does get very confusing. So I don't think that the interim WBO is a title that's gonna do any justice to the confusing situation that we already have. But uh, I think that's a great, great fight, Liam Williams against Liam Smith. I want to go over to you, Ayers, on this fight, to be honest. It's very, very interesting. Liam Smith obviously mixed it at the higher level. But when we talk about the higher level that he mixed it in, it was really that one fight against Canelo. He hasn't really fought any world beaters. Neither has Liam Williams, of course. We all know that. He's very, very humble. And he respects Liam Smith as well. So it's definitely going to be a really, really good fight. And I'm looking forward to it. How do you see it unfolding? This is going to be a really good fight, the Battle of the Williams. But if, I've, if I'm going to choose with a winner, I'm going to go with Liam Smith. I think Liam Smith is a very, I think he's a very talented fighter. All I can say is that when he fought Canelo, he did very good against Canelo as well. So when he obviously he's fought one of the best pound for pound fighters, which is Canelo, and he's going to bring that experience to this fight. Yeah, I think some people forget how well he did against Canelo. Despite losing how he did, he showed some great class during that fight. And people like to forget that, I think. He's definitely got the more classier um, punch output, the more classier... um, The way he goes about business is a little bit more classier, a little bit more uh, precise than Liam Williams does. But Liam Williams can have a fight as well. And I think Liam Williams can have a fight a lot better than Liam Smith can. Liam Smith hasn't really been put in that position. But I think Liam Smith, he's brilliant... Um, you know, asset of body punching, which all the Smith brothers, to be honest, have got that little asset tucked in their arsenal. I think that could potentially play a part here. I hope I'm wrong, but we will see and made a best man win. It's a great, great fight. We love fights like this to be made in Britain, of course. Moving over now to a card happening in York Hall. Ben Jones, former European champion, 22 and 5, friend of the show. He takes on Jason Cunningham. Jason Cunningham, 21 and 3. I'm not sure how many rounds it's scheduled for, but it's a featherweight, this one. Jason Cunningham, 
He's actually an underrated fighter. This is a really, really good fight. I think it's even probably a 50-50, if I had to say so. Jason Cunningham, he's got the three losses on his record. Two of them have been super close. And the other one, which wasn't close, was against Cal Yafai. And there's no shame in that. Look where he is now. So I think Ben Jones is in a real fight here. And um, it's overdue because he likes to test himself. He likes to be in those fights where he's perhaps an underdog or where he's got to really think about it. And I'm happy that he's got this opportunity. It's at the, the home of British Boxing, York Hall, so all the best to Ben Jones in that one. Moving over now to a card happening in the Oasis Leisure Centre in Swindon, Wiltshire, United Kingdom. couple fights to mention on this bill. Sam Smith, 3-0, his opponent yet to be announced. He's an eight-rounder at light heavyweight there. I was shocked that Sam Smith, the sniper, has been moved pretty slowly he's been a pro now for quite a while he's only had three fights in that time i know that he's being looked after by paddy fitzpatrick i remember having paddy on the show so long ago it feels like ages ago we had him on the show and he was talking about sam smith and i think it was after sam's first or second fight so to think he's only had one or two fights since then is quite staggering also on that bill luke the duke watkins nine and oh he looks to move to double figure wins his opponent to be announced as well that's a 10 rounder at cruiserweight so all the best to both men they're both being looked after by a paddy fitzpatrick who's a guy who to be honest out of all the boxing trainers and all the boxing voices i do like to listen to paddy fitzpatrick he's got that kind of voice you just you just keep listening to i really do have a lot of love for for Paddy Fitzpatrick. Moving over now to a fight happening in West Midlands at the venue in Dudley, United Kingdom. One fight to mention on here that has got a potential to be a bit of a war. Andrew Robinson, 18-3, and three, former opponent of Lee Markham, which was a great fight. Former opponent of Frank Budlioni, which was a great fight. He is a bit of a warrior. He's taking on super durable journeyman Adam Jones six wins 20 losses and four draws the reason why I bring this fight up is because Adam Jones is a journeyman that I've been looking at quite a lot recently he's been in back-to-back fights he is as tough as they come I don't even think he's been stopped yet he's been in there with some good fighters as well and he keeps coming forward he's horrible to to fight actually he's um I wouldn't advise putting any kind of prospect in with him because he's really got that potential to upset you because he just keeps coming forward all the time he does not take a step back he's as tough as they come also on that bill William Warburton he's a super journeyman again who's capable of upsetting people so he's in a fight as well against Tyler Denny who has a record of 4-0 and with two draws that again is not going to be a walkover both those fights mentioned there are both six rounders and they're both at middleweight moving over now to the big one again there's another big fight happening this weekend at the MGM National Harbour in Oxon Hill Maryland US say this is a fantastic fantastic card we're going to be speaking to one of the men on this bill very very shortly um we're going to start with the fight at the bottom of the card patrick harris 10 and 0 he's in an eight rounder at super lightweight against omar garcia six and six his record also on the bill jesse hart 21 and 0 he takes on alan camper 16 and 2 that's a 10 rounder at super middleweight jesse hart a man that we should 
be speaking to on this show at some point. I have reached out to him. I think we will be speaking to him in the coming weeks at some point, hopefully. And also a man that's been on the show before, Mike. Yes, indeed, Reed. He's 21-0 as well. He's in a 10-rounder at super lightweight, 140 against Reyes Sanchez, who has a record of 26-9 with two draws. That should be a good fight. Again, Mike Reed's a guy that likes to test himself as well, so I'm happy for him to be on a platform like this. It's a great, great bill. Also on the bill, Alexander Gvodzdik, 12-0. He's in a 10-rounder at light heavyweight against Unieski Gonzalez, who has a record of 18-2. That should be a good fight. Gvodzdik, of course, being the Olympian. He's got that amateur background. It's going to be a good fight. He's a promising fighter. Alexander Usyk's on the bill, defending his WBO World Cruiserweight title. He's got a record of 11-0. He takes on the man we're going to be speaking to very shortly, Michael Hunter, 12-0. Both men undefeated. Somebody's O has got to go. It's a 12-rounder at Cruiserweight. It's a great, great fight, this. Two guys that, again, have got that background in the amateurs. Both guys... Um, I think Michael Hunter just fell short of the 2008 Olympics. He was in the 2012 Olympics. Alexander Usyk was in both of them. He won a gold medal in 2012. They've both been targeting the Olympics. They've both just narrowly... They, they could have ended up fighting each other. It didn't happen in the amateurs. It's now happening in the pros. And rarely do we see a fight like this with two guys who've got the Olympic background. They're both undefeated and they're both still... I'd say prospects. I know that Usyk's already a world champion, but they're, he, he's maybe just just elevated above the prospect status. They're very fresh in their pro careers, is what I'm trying to say. And it's rare that we see a fight where both guys have got a promising future and they meet for a world title this early. So I'm very happy about this fight. Alexander Usyk being the crafty man, he's very, very good on his feet. Obviously, he's a southpaw. Michael Hunter's past two opponents have been southpaws as well. So that's a good stat there to bear in mind. We wish Michael Hunter all the very best in this fight, of course, and we will be speaking to him very, very soon. He's got an interesting story. And top of the bill, Vassal Lomachenko, 7-1, putting his WBO World Super Featherweight title on the line against Jason Sosa, 20-1 with four draws. Jason Sosa, he's got a little bit of a warrior reputation as well. Of course, he's mixed it with some good fighters. He's mixed it with our very own Stephen Smith, a fight that was a little bit frustrating to watch when he went over there in Monaco and did a job on him. Obviously, he's been in there against Nicholas Waters and a few other guys. Jason Sosa is one of my favorite fighters to watch. I really am a big fan. But Lomachenko, we know he is absolute class. I as firstly, I know that this fight is one that me and you and many, many other guys are very, are very much looking forward to uh, Vassil Lomachenko being outrageously good. He's almost too good. And uh, how do you see this fight unfolding? I know that we both, again, both are big fans of Jason Sosa as well, a good fighter. Yeah, the, Jason Sosa is a good fighter. But I like Lomachenko, but to be honest, I reckon he'd do very good. But Lomachenko, he's a, he's a very good fighter with a huge experience. But in my opinion, I'm going to go for a Lomachenko stoppage. Yeah, I mean, obviously we see Lomachenko in his in in that fight against Orlando Salido. He was he was on the uh, receiving end of some roughhouse tactics. He was in there to rough it up. I think Jason Sosa could potentially make it a little bit rough. We do know that he likes to be a little bit rough. He can fight as well as well as box. So um, 
I think there's something to bear in mind. Surprisingly, the size is with Lomachenko in this one. He is the taller guy. Jason Sosa, it was quite striking how short he is. He's only 5'5". Five five. Uh, he fights pretty stand-up. He does like to stand He fights pretty tall. But um, we know that Lomachenko is hard to pick against. You know, he really is. He's a technical genius. And he's one of the best amateurs of all time, if not the best of all time. So, um... Definitely an intriguing fight, though. But I really hope that it's good for a few rounds. I hope it's not one-sided. I think it. I think it won't be one-sided. I think Jason Sosa is very, very uh, clever and crafty. So I think he could make it pretty interesting during spells of that fight. I'd like to see him pull off the upset, but to be honest, I have to side with you eyes. I can't really see it. I think Lomachenko. I'm gonna go. Oh, I'm gonna go. You've gone with a stoppage for Lomachenko. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Lomachenko on points, Ayers, on this one. I'm gonna go with Lomachenko on points. I can't remember what we are on the prediction league. Have you got any idea what it was? I think was it four two to me last time? We really need to keep check of this. Uh, yes it was. Okay. So yeah, it's four two to me. So uh, we we'll we look out for that, and hopefully we will remember the scores for next week. That's it for the MGM National Harbour. Moving over now to the final bill to mention. This one happening this Sunday, the 9th of April, two thousand and seventeen, which I will add is the one year anniversary of Anthony Joshua picking up the IBF heavyweight title. One fight to mention: the Novo at LA Live which is the name of the venue in Los Angeles, California, USA. Two fights to mention on this bill. Alejandro Luna, 21-0, decent fighter prospect. He takes on Andriy Klimov, who has a record of 19-3. and Obviously, we know Klimov's mixed it at a decent level. That could be a good fight there. That's just one for the, you know, that's one that's gone under the radar. That's one that's not world level. It's pretty much European ish level thereabouts but that could be a really really good fight that's a 10 rounder there at lightweight and finally the final fight to mention Josecito Lopez 34 and 7 he takes on Saul Coral who has a record of 23 and 8 that's a 10 rounder at welterweight and that wraps up the talking we've done the review part we've done the preview part we did the news at the start of part two we spoke to Peter Fury it's now time to welcome our second and final guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former London 2012 Olympian, and as a pro, he has beaten all 12 of his opponents thus far. It's, of course, Mr. Michael Hunter. Welcome to the show, Michael. Hey, how y'all doing? Hey, we're very good What's over here, on? my friend. We're very good, thank you. How about yourself? I'm good, I'm good. By the way, I loved, I loved London over there. That was a beautiful place. The people were so beautiful. And um, the hospitality was excellent over there. Hey, on behalf so, of all the, uh, the fellow Londoners, I, I want to thank you for that. Now, Michael, uh, just before we get into the big fight this weekend, of course, I wanted to touch on a couple of other subjects. Uh, just to let the British boxing fans know a little bit of a backstory about yourself, if you don't mind. No. Obviously, we know that you're the son of Michael Hunter Sr. Your father was a good boxer as well. He, t you know, he, he was part of a very exciting era in the heavyweight mm -hmm. division. Uh, through the late yeah. 80s and early 90s, obviously, he fought a whole bunch of brilliant, brilliant guys. I wanted to ask you, Michael, was it your father that started you off in boxing? Um, yeah, I mean, um, it runs in my family. My grandpa, uh, on my mom's side, did a lot of uh, advising for fighters, uh, worked with a lot of uh, different fighters, Joe Frazier, Joe Lewis, and all sorts of other people. So 
Um, we actually owned a boxing gym in Santa Monica. Um, Mom and I leased boxing gym in Santa Monica uh, way back in the day before I was around. So it's on both of my side, on both sides of my family. So, uh, but yeah, my, I would have to say I was definitely um, biggest inspiration was my father to start me off. I, I wanted to be just like him, so there was no there was no room for uh, any other sport pretty much. I mean, I played other sports, but boxing was uh, something very passionate that my family was um, was about. So uh, we always watched all the fights in '90s and uh, early '90s and stuff. So. It was just inevitable for me, and my um, also my little brother's a fighter, so it's a background a lineage type of thing. Yeah, I mean, how could you do any other sport after after you know just hearing that there? Uh, speaking of your of your father, Michael, obviously, um, you know he uh, he's sadly no longer with us. Um, you know, mm-hmm. like like many other retired boxers, there's always some kind of bizarre event. That, t- that took place around uh, around their demise. I've read little bits online about what happened. I know it's a b- it must be a bit of a touchy subject. Do you mind talking about uh, what actually went down? Um, actually, I don't really know too much. Um, I know uh, that he was um, killed by two undercover cops. Um, supposedly, he was doing something, or they were doing something that he he was doing something that he was not supposed to be, obviously. And um, I guess the cops, supposedly the cops didn't uh, reveal that they were undercover and then they shot him. So that's all I really know. I didn't really get too too uh, far and deep into the story. I just knew that he had passed and I had a, um, um, you know, a mission to take on. So, um, you know, I basically uh, just left it there from there, you know. Yeah, no, I understand that. It's just a, yeah, just a bizarre thing. I thought we should let the, you know, the British public know about every good boxer. It's always got some kind of bizarre history. So uh, that's yeah, a bizarre I know. history there. Um, another interesting fact about yourself is that you helped Vladimir Klitschko prepare for his David Hay fight back in 2011. What did you make of that experience? He was only an amateur at the time, of course. Yeah, yeah, uh, that was a great experience. I actually helped. And with a few other ones too. My first one was uh, Eddie Chambers. I went for Eddie Chambers, and um, I came. They, they enjoyed my work and my work ethic, and um, so they brought me back for the David Hay. Uh, that was beautiful. I got to see, you know, how the uh, European fans uh, acted, and you know, David Hay is, you know, a, definitely a different character. So I got to see his tactics, and um, I learned a lot from just being around those guys, from being around camp and. You know, I mean, they're at the, the best and top of the sport, you know, and, and uh, top of their game. So it was more just even about um, not just about the fight, and tr- but more about training. And like I said, the way David Hay, the tactics that he used and, um, you know, and the way that, that, you know, they try to intimidate one of another. I thought was a, a brilliant thing for me to watch and uh, definitely a good experience for me. It's funny that you should mention uh, Eddie Chambers there. I was just talking to him about five minutes ago, just before we started the show. Oh, he's, get uh, out of here. Yeah, he's a good friend of mine. He's a good friend. Of- I actually just asked him about your fight, by the way, because he's looking at uh, getting into the cruiserweight division. I think he's on a he, he's on some kind of diet to lose a bit of weight and go down to cruiserweight now. So I asked him about that mm-hmm. fight, and he did just say to me a minute ago that it's an interesting one. So, uh, yeah, it's funny that you should say that. I know that in the 2012 Olympics in London, obviously it didn't go to plan for you. You lost 
lost a very close fight to Artur Baturbiev, who's gone on to be a promising pro. I know that you left London a little disappointed. Was there a while after that where you considered staying amateur, or did you feel like it was the only thing you know left to do was to turn pro at that point? Yeah, I felt like that was the only thing left for me. You know, I, that was my second uh, go around as far as the Olympic uh, circuit. Uh, so, you know, I felt, uh, very mature. I mean, even the first time I, I kind of felt like I, I was kind of ready for the pros, but, uh, definitely I, I had matured to a certain, uh, point in experience in my, uh, career as far as being an amateur that I was definitely ready for the pros. Yeah. And, um, I owe Arthur one, he got me on a double tiebreaker, but, uh, so hopefully maybe we, I could settle that too. <laughs> Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Now, obviously, you finished your amateur career as a heavyweight. You started off as a heavyweight in the pro ranks. It surprised me a little bit, actually, when you decided to come down in weight to cruiserweight. What was the What was the reason behind that, Michael? Um. Well, when I first got into uh, when I first you know the uh, the Olympic trials and stuff starts you know like a year a year and a half before um, before the Olympics actually uh, comes on before you actually go to the Olympics. So when I qualified, I was the first person to qualify at that weight class, at, at, cruise, at heavyweight when I was the amateur. And I was very inexperienced. I only had like maybe 19 fights or something like that. So I, but I had, you know, I was basically doing very well for myself. And I had um, qualified very early um, that year, uh, the year of the, uh, the Olympic trials and stuff. So I was kind of stuck in heavyweight uh, as a kid. And as I was training and getting, um, you know, getting in better shape, I was actually losing weight, but I just decided to stay, you know, around 210 and, um, you know, around, you know, right above uh, regular heavyweight or cruiserweight. Um, and I was kind of locked in at, for the Olympic trials. I already had basically Olympic trial spot. So uh, that was why I stayed uh heavyweight and then after the next go around it was definitely uh no decision for me to just go to cruiserweight because i was only five six pounds above um cruiserweight anyway so it was definitely i was always fighting bigger guys like i fought roberto camarelli and a guy from russia i always fought a lot of bigger bigger guys than me so um and i was i was also young 19 18 years old so that was the, the whole reason why I was kind of locked in that, that heavyweight position as a kid. Okay, so obviously, you, you know, we, we just said you turn, you turn pro as a heavyweight. You made your debut in March 2013. Fast forward now, we're in April 2017. You're 12-0 at this point. Uh, this Saturday, you're taking on the WBO Cruiserweight World Champion, Alexander Usyk. No. Usyk is 11-0 with 10 knockouts. He's looking really good at the moment, I must admit. What are your thoughts on him, Michael? Oh man, he's, I mean, obviously he's a, he's a great fighter, you know, he's good on his feet, uh, you know, he's a gold medalist, so he has tons of experience, ups and downs all in his career, um, you know, so, you know, and that Ukraine, that even from that Ukraine school um, of teaching and learning, uh, they come from a good background, so I take nothing from the guy, I'm just, it's just my time and I'm ready to, you know, um, challenge myself, you know, we really have no opponent opponent is all in front of me is, is, is all it's all me you know I'm, I'm the my biggest opponent so um you know i'll be testing myself uh april 8th 
And I want to ask you this. I noticed that your last two opponents, like Usyk, have both been southpaws. Is that just a coincidence, or did you believe that this fight was going to be happening sometime in the pipeline? No, just a coinky-dink. I just really... um, They always... I mean, the cruiserweights have tons of... You know, everybody's turning southpaw, and um, cruiserweights are more of a... um, you know, for overseas, you know, you got they, the Europeans and, you know, uh, really run that weight class over there. So, and everybody is like basically crew, I mean, uh, Southpaw. So I just think it was just a random thing. You know, I wasn't really totally expecting for this, but when, when, um, they gave me the opportunity, I definitely jumped on it. I, I did not hesitate, not one bit. So, and I want to ask you this, how has training camp been? Oh man, wonderful! I, I've been sparring. I've been getting a great sparring. I sparred Southpaw Luis Ortiz, um, who's current current heavyweight champion. I got before that. I sparred um, the former uh, champion. Uh, what's his name? Um, um, dang, hold on. I can, also, I can oh, help, I can help you if you tell me which weight class cruiserweight was it? Oh uh, yeah, no, Anthony Joshua just beat him. Anthony Joshua just beat him. Um, he's not a yeah for the oh, title not Charles Martin yeah yeah Charles Martin oh, I was born wow. in Vegas yeah because he's in Vegas um, that's where I'm originally from uh, so I was sparring out there with him for uh, for a few times and then I came out to Florida and I got some work with uh, Luis Ortiz who's also a uh, southpaw and then um, for speed I've been sparring with Andre Durrell um, and, and a couple other guys so I've been getting a lot of work and a lot of different looks and um, uh, campus, I can't complain. Campus went wonderful. Yeah, it sounds very good. There's a lot of names there I wasn't expecting, to be honest. A, a crazy bunch of names, to be honest. How did it go with Lewis Ortiz? That's a, uh, you know, I wouldn't, I mean, obviously he's a southpaw, but I wouldn't say he's, he's much like Usyk, to be honest. He's a big, he's a big, big guy, Lewis Ortiz. So uh, how did that go? Yeah, he is. Uh, <laughs> he's very, and you know what? crazy is he's super crafty you know so that's what we we liked him for his we liked him for his craft and um he's not a slow guy he has a big power um we know that he, he doesn't um Yusuf doesn't hit hard as him so but uh it just different looks and different southpaw looks you know and, and see how uh the southpaw actually uh would go about um you know uh competing with a, a you know somebody like me so it was it was great. It was good good work for sure. Yeah, no, that's that's. I'm, I'm very happy to hear you say that. Uh, obviously, as I say, you went from heavyweight to cruiserweight over here in Britain. A cruiserweight champion just moved up to heavyweight. I don't know if you really paid too much attention to it, but did you manage to see Tony Bellew's fight with David Hay at all? Yes, I did. I did. I heard he was moving up too. Hopefully, uh, shoot, I can get that that WBC belt. Yeah, well, I think um, I think just just last weekend they the WBC stripped Bellew and put it on the line for Marco Huck oh. against um, oh, Marco, oh the other guy Breedis. So uh, oh, yeah, I didn't know that for that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, uh, but so. no, the fight was I, I was I was not expecting the fight to turn out how it turned out. I was kind of expecting um, David Hay to do a lot better. I thought he was going to um, actually kind of I thought he was going to win the fight just from uh you know experience and skill but that's why they fight because you never really know what's going to happen and uh tony showed a lot of uh, heart out there and um and a lot of respect you know he 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 was uh you could tell he was very 
classy after the fight, and um, I thought it was a beautiful fight. I mean, I heard they might be fighting again. Is that true? Well, we're hoping so. I mean, obviously, it wasn't a one hundred percent David Hay. He he was injured in in the middle of that fight, and I think he's yeah. going to be out till about November. So. You know, if Bellew has a fight in the meantime and then gets beaten, because really he's not a heavyweight, if he gets found out, then that fight obviously loses its value. So it's a bit of a tricky situation. But um, yeah, we're going to have to wait and see what happens. But no, it definitely shocked everybody, that outcome. Um, Another big fight that's happening over here, obviously. I know that it's probably not as big over in the US as it is here, but I know that you must must have heard about it. Joshua against Klitschko is going to be a massive event. How do you see that one unfolding? Obviously, you've been in camp with Klitschko. It's a brilliant fight. Yeah, I I really... um, You know what? I think this is a good fight for Klitschko. You know, I know his age is... He's he's getting, you know, to that age, and he kind of got exposed a little bit by um, Tyson uh, Fury. And... uh, but I think this is a real good fight for him. I don't know. I can't pick a winner, but I I really think that he's gonna Klitschko is gonna do very well, especially because it, it seemed like he picked he picked uh, Anthony um, kind of personally. I, I I feel like he sees something in Anthony, and you know they went to camp before they've been in camp. You know I I kind of think it's a maybe a confidence thing. You know maybe he got the best of him. You never really know when when it comes to stuff like that. And I know, like, uh, Klitschko doesn't really like movers. He doesn't like people that move a lot. And he likes people to fight his size. You know, he likes people about his size. So, um, you know, he's not uh, – Anthony Joshua is not really, a, you, know, uh, you know, a mover on his feet. But he's a big puncher and a big guy. So I really think that uh, uh, Klitschko is going to do very well in this fight. Yeah, no, I like some of the points you've made there. It's true what you're saying. It's definitely an intriguing fight, though, for sure. And, uh, Michael, coming down to the last couple of questions I've got for you now, this is a question that I must ask everybody that we speak to from overseas. I love asking fighters from all around the world this question, to be honest. Who is your favorite fighter from the UK of any era? It can be steel boxing, it can be way retired, any era. Favorite UK fighter, if you've got one for us. Favorite UK I would have to say Prince Nassim Ahmed. Okay, right? Yeah, Yeah, that's right. Everybody says him, to be honest. I might just stop asking this question. Everybody says the same (laughs) thing now. I mean, he was electrifying, man. He he was, you know, I mean, he was he was short lived, but uh, the time that he was there, he was just so exciting. He he was, you know, he was showman, and you know, he did his thing in there. (laughs) I I like I like Lennox Lewis as well. I can't I can't say it. I mean that's another one uh, who's basically a legend. So uh, he, if I had to say anything behind behind that, it would have to say him as far as uh, boxing skill and uh, the way he. I, I love the way he he uh, left the game. He left it on top and um, very respectful. And um, you know he left a winner. You know so that was uh, and that's how you always want to leave. You know so. Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely, two, uh, two really, yeah, two of our best fighters. I think I'd probably have to agree if I was, if I was being asked that question. To be honest, and finally, Michael, my final question for you now. Uh, you don't have to give it to us if you don't want to, but if you do have one, please let us know your prediction for your outcome of the fight on Saturday. How do you see that fight ending in your heart of hearts? Um, I feel like I'm gonna win. I don't know how I'm gonna win. Uh, what 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 will be the total decision? But I know I feel like I'll win unanimous for sure. 
uh, least, the least I'll do is win unanimous. Uh, I can't see me. I can't see it going any other split. I couldn't see any any other that. I I really feel like the least amount. If I don't stop him, then it's going to be a unanimous decision. Hey, absolutely. Hopefully, hopefully, like I say, God willing, you get a win. It's going to be a brilliant fight. I'm definitely going to be tuning in, and it's one that has really wet my appetite, to be honest. Yeah, I'm excited for it. I'm glad that you know it came up, and um, you know I was able to you know get the fight. I'm very excited for it. Um, I, w- I was hoping to fight him in the Olympics, and uh, you know it came up a little short. But you know we're here now, and I, I can't wait either. Absolutely. Okay, listen, Michael, it's been a pleasure having you on the Box Hard Podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. Best of luck for Saturday night, and God willing, next time we're talking, I'll be talking to the new WBO Cruiserweight Champion of the World. That's right. That's right. That's right. God bless you guys. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Okay, and that wraps up what's been another episode of the Box Hard Podcast. This was episode number 77. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Ayaz Sumra has been Ayaz Sumra. A big thank you to our two guests on this week's show, heavyweight trainer Peter Fury and the undefeated cruiserweight contender Michael Hunter. I really hope you've enjoyed listening to this week's show. We've just recently, by the way, made an Instagram page where each week we post all of our latest shows. So if you're on Instagram, please give us a follow at box hard podcast we do follow back once again if you'd like to get in touch with us for a shout out or to voice your predictions anything on any upcoming fights we can be contacted via twitter at box hard podcast once again we'll be back next week with another big show as per usual until next time take care